Hi everyone, welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Kelly Levesque, who I'm so excited to have here on the podcast. Kelly is a wellness expert, a celebrity health coach, and a holistic nutritionist, and the founder of Be Well by Kelly Levesque. Hi. Hey, Nikki, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming here to, I'm so happy that you're here in Southern California, like really local though, in Orange County now, because I remember we chatted a while back and you were like, the plan is to go back. And then, you know, you were in LA and everything kind of came together. And I'm excited that we're finally here to hang out together because it's been a couple years that you're back, right? Yeah, it was. um, Well, we saw each other in Malibu for your event uh, at the Soho House. And that was pre-pandemic, just one kid each. And now we're too deep living in Orange County. So the silver lining for the whole COVID pandemic for me was making my way back home. My husband being able to take care of his, his sick parents and me really just realizing that I could have boundaries and I could work with clients virtually and my business wasn't going to fall apart. So it was pretty, it was a pretty amazing opportunity and we jumped on it and we're so happy to be back. Yeah. It's, I've been watching you, you know, all your content, obviously I'm a huge fan and just seeing you become a mother of two and how you've handled it and how just like all of your food reels and all that. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I love that she's doing this because it's just nice to see another mom kind of share what, you know, even just like what they feed their children and how they manage things. And, um, you know, we were just talking about right before we, um, started the podcast, just like how important sleep is. Yeah. And so I kind of want to dive into like all these little hacks, I guess, and what you think about them. But, um, I, I guess overall, like, I'd love for you to share a little bit about just you and how you've like kind of come into, um, where you're at now with your career and, um, just having like be well by Kelly also as the brand. Yeah. yeah well, going all the way back. Yeah. Now I spent eight years in cancer and genetics. I was on an airplane every single day of the week, flying to different states, always jumping into PubMed research and loving nutrition. I worked, you know, worked in cancer and it was sort of a sad reality. Look, the doctors that I worked with. Um, and I always was talking about health and nutrition. So I ultimately started my business and I wrote my first book, Body Love, and was sharing online and seeing six to eight clients a day. And when you think about that, like, I was in the stage of my life where that was totally an option. Yeah. I could pack my day full of clients. I could hit a workout before I could hit a grocery, hit the grocery store every day of the week. If I wanted make a dinner for myself and my husband, it was really uh, a time in my life where it was just a focus on myself mm-hmm. and my business and growing this brand. And that was a really nice, I mean, it was nice looking back that I, wasn't a mom at the time and that I had the flexibility and the freedom of my own time. And sleep was like one of those important things that I always got eight hours, you know, fast forward, I've been a nutritionist and working with clients for a decade. My business has changed. I did launch a few products. I have some virtual courses. I have some physical products that help my clients make protein shakes. Um, and I'm a mom of two toddlers. So I think, you know, we were talking before this podcast, I think it's really important for people to realize that when you become a mom, you have to reset your expectations and not to say like, you're never going to have your life. I think there's some doomsday 
uh, memes totally. about how you won't have free time for yourself. There's so much joy in motherhood. And I think we need to, we, sh- we need to share our values with our kids, whether that's like cooking in the kitchen when I make reels mm-hmm. with my son, Sebastian, or, um, you know, sharing, sharing meals together, like sitting down and making it a ritual. But when it comes to working out or having really rigid rules, uh, around food specifically, I don't think that serves moms, especially young moms in the postpartum stage where you're maybe a little more sensitive emotionally. You're learning a whole new part of your life. Like you're, you're, you're birthed as a mother when your child, when you birth your child and there's so much growth there of like, how do I want to communicate with the small human? How do I want to raise them and feed them and what is important for our family? But with that comes like, you know, the toddler tantrums and the sleepless nights and the sleep training. If you're part, if you're deciding to do that um, or the co-sleeping, like there's some sleep deprivation that's real and that happens there. And so when I'm working with young moms and I'm specifically doing a lot of that now, because one of my courses teaches moms how to eat when they're pregnant and how to introduce foods to young children to balance their blood sugar and fuel their microbiome and really support their hormones. Um, But in this very specific period of time, we need to, we need to really reframe what it looks like and we need to have some tools and like hacks and, in our back pocket. Some of those things might be, what five meals do you know how to make without a recipe? Can we make a grocery list of those and keep that in your phone so that if someone's like, hey, can I help you get groceries? Or your husband's like, I'm, you know, I'll stop at the store. You can shoot that off to them and you know, okay, we all know how to make our tacos that we make or our chicken teriyaki or our roasted chicken and veggies or some, you know, a quick salmon, something like that. Like you have those recipes and you know, okay, I'm not going to be Martha Stewart at this stage in my life, but I'm going to put nourishing foods on the table instead of holding yourself to some expectation that you're going to download a New York times recipe and make something from scratch with (laughs) 15 herbs and a hundred ingredients, you know, like let's redefine what that means. What good means for you? For me, that is the fab four like is there protein healthy fat some fiber in the form of like a non-starchy veggie that I'm serving up and like something green Mm -hmm. you know and if that's on the table if it means that I'm the green thing is like a sliced cucumber on the side of whatever chicken and rice dish I made for my kids like great yeah you know it's it's finding those easy things another thing that I think is really supportive and is actually health tech. So I love a continuous glucose monitor. I love an aura ring. Things that remind me that I'm doing a good job. As I'm a young mom, we're constantly moving, like chasing toddlers, feeding babies in the kitchen, back to your computer, whatever it is that you're doing. And, And this thing always reminds me like, I'm, I'm not sitting very much, you know, I have little bouts of time where I'm working with clients, writing emails, but a lot of the time I'm a little bit of a ping pong ball mm-hmm. in my house, um, with my family living that work motherhood life where it's very fluid in block schedules do help. And that's something that I didn't ever have to do before kids, but having the days where I take my podcast, having the days where I answer emails, having an auto email where I'm like setting a boundary saying, you know, this is when you can expect to hear from me. All of those things I think really help me stay sane. Yeah. Um, I love that too. The block schedules. It's It's just, I mean, I'd be curious to know like what things have worked for, for you in staying sane in this season of life, because it really, 
the 300 list self-care items like <laughs> don't make that stressful for me right yeah. like let's put the pick the things where I feel like I gain something from it or yeah. I see a benefit and then I'll commit to that mm-hmm. I know for me specifically it's so interesting because I feel like you have all this time for yourself and you're able to have that 300 list of self-care <laughs> items to do plus work plus being a wife and all that but then it's so different having one kid versus another. So you kind of get into this routine when you have one and then they, they're old enough. I don't know if Bash goes to any sort of programs, but like I created one during COVID for my son when he turned two so that I could, I was like, okay, let's start a pod so that I can work and have this time just to work because I didn't have any sort of help. And what I did was create the pod from nine to one. And then I worked from nine to one and then I was with him and it was really great. And then, you know, I had another one and that was obviously um, a transition because then I had, you know, something for him, my older son to do, but then I needed kind of help with the other one and they're too young. So it's just really interesting. And at that time, you know, when they're really little, you can bring them along with anything that you do and bring them to work or whatever. But it just like writing emails when handed, you're just not as productive. And like we were talking about, I realized early on with just having only one kid that my exercise of choice that I could just feasibly do was going on a walk as a family. And I just had to remember that that's okay. And I think that coming from, you know, being in this space and thinking that you kind of have to do more and um, even just like wanting to do yoga class wasn't achievable for me. And it still isn't. And I've I can't tell you how many I've signed up for that I've left or not gone to because I'm like, oh, I'm still nursing and they're crying or I really need to sleep. And that's my priority right now is sleep. And, um, you know, just also being a working mother, trying to navigate, okay, well, I do actually have some time. I could probably go do a workout, but like, actually, I really need to get this done. And that's the reality is I need to work. Yeah. And so it's a lot to navigate, like you said. And I think that, um, you know, one thing I really wanted to ask you too is with the food stuff is how, like you said, I love what you shared that you, everyone like you and Chris both know how to make your tacos and like these recipes. And I think that's really great and important because when you're out of town or when you have a work thing, then you don't have to stress about what the kids are going to eat. And it's just kind of like, here, I don't have to teach you last minute here. This is like the plan and we go. So how do you kind of set that up? Do you make the food for them and put it in a freezer? Like, you know, no, they're, yeah. they're luckily they're a little more self-sufficient than that. And they weren't always, I mean, my husband, Chris was good at making scrambled eggs and chicken when he was in college, <laughs> trying to get protein and get swole. That's what he used to call it. You know, he like wanted big muscles back in the day when he was at UCLA and he's a, he's a big guy, but he's pretty lean. Yeah. And, um, so he knows how to make a few things, but in our relationship, actually it was when Sebastian was born that he really took an active role in being in the kitchen with us. And that's because I would get Sebastian up in his kitchen tower, which is like a little stool that puts him at the counter level. I got him his kids knives from Amazon. And then it wasn't something where I was going to put him in front of a screen or give him a toy and try to push him aside while I cooked really fast. Like that's not enjoyable for me. And what was really important for me was 
bringing him into my world. I do so much teaching in the kitchen. And so it was almost like through osmosis that Chris learned all of these recipes because he'd be at the kitchen table, you know, writing emails or doing what he was doing. And Bash and I would be in there and I'm like, okay, Bash, this is how we roast veggies. Like it really doesn't matter the temperature of your oven, 350 to 425. Like we cut the veggies all the same size. We use a a couple tablespoons of oil, a little seasoning. And he, he would be like this much, that much. And I, you know, so much of the cooking, the recipes I make, it's like, it's not an exact science. We're not baking here. It's not like a half a teaspoon of baking soda. It really truly is. Like if you want to put more seasonings on it, bud, it's just going to be more flavorful and that's okay or less and we can flavor it after. And so, you know, just those simple things of like knowing how to roast veggies, knowing how, knowing that a protein can go in your oven at any temperature at any size. And all you need is a meat thermometer to know that it's safe to eat and done. Like those are freeing, like having, and I, you know, that I'm just like a formula person. Like the fab four is a formula for blood sugar balance. Yeah. I like to know generally like how things are done so that I can have flexibility to do them my way. If I want to get it done a little faster, we crank the oven up a little bit more. Like it may be a little drier, you know, but there are people who really like a recipe. I think teach them the technique and they can have freedom and flexibility. And so that's, you know, to this day now, I think actually Chris makes a better Brussels sprout than I do. And I think it may be just that he's a little heavy handed with that olive oil, but it's still like, you know, just knowing that exactly like he knows how he knows how to make, um, you know, a, a sort of like macro rice bowl for the kids. And it's funny because one of my favorite reels that is probably one of the most viral reels on my Instagram was the easiest two minute thing I'd ever shown people. But I have frozen rice and frozen cauliflower rice in my freezer. I just keep that in case because Chris doesn't necessarily, he won't necessarily put in the effort to make rice from scratch, even though he knows how, but I'll just take a little bit of frozen rice and frozen cauliflower rice, throw it in the pan together. And it's a 50, 50 split of a veggie and a starch for kids. All you have to do is throw a protein with that. You know, you don't have to add water because the cauliflower rice releases water and the rice cooks together. And so it's like you have a protein and a starch right there. All of a sudden you just need, or a, sorry, a veggie and a starch right there. All you need to do is find a protein to go on top. And so, Oh my gosh, it's so smart. (laughs) Yeah. If you batch cook something big, like a roasted chicken or a big, a big, like, grass-fed roast or something like that like it's easy to add a protein and a little seasoning or dressing or something to it so those little things really help and honestly just teaching teaching bash has really taught Chris and then he knows like okay these are the 10 meals that we always always make and occasionally like I said I might get inspired feel inspired again but in this stage of my life it really I'm not going to hold myself to some expectation that I am going to write out a full two week meal plan, try new recipes, batch cook (laughs) on a Sunday. Like these are my days off. Like I need to be with my family. I need to be in nature. I need to be on a hike or at the beach and surfing with my kids. Like these, these days are so limited. Mm -hmm. I got so emotional the other day because it's like, you only have 18 summers with your kids. Like truly like, you know, and I'm like, bash is going to be four. I need, you know, 
I need to really prioritize my boundaries. And I love that you said that you would work when um, your kids were in the pod or, you know, your oldest was in the pod from nine to one because we need to normalize that. Yeah. For working moms who are entrepreneurs, we need to normalize what our real work days look like. Yeah. Because some days it's you get two hours of work done and other days you're like, I worked an eight hour day, mommed for four hours and worked another four hours. And you don't want to have really drastic days where you're where the pendulum ball is swinging yeah where you're working too hard and not working at all but to have some flexibility and to know like okay this is when my kid or my children have I have support for my kids and this is where I'm going to be efficient and get as much done as humanly possible yeah Hi guys, I wanted to take a second to tell you about my friend Olivia, who's a clinical herbalist who makes some of the most effective and creative herbal tinctures and capsules I've ever tried. You may recognize her as the founder and formulator behind Organic Olivia, a company she started essentially by accident after years of frustration with her own health issues and zero answers from the conventional world. After tackling her own chronic health concerns with herbal medicine and studying clinical herbalism for three years in New York, Olivia's mission is to provide people with real-life solutions to their needs by tapping into the power of traditional therapeutic plants and intelligent evidence-based formulation. She combines her years of research and experience to get rid of the guesswork for those dealing with everything from mood struggles to hair thinning, thyroid complaints, digestive difficulties, focus issues, and more. Beyond her line of herbal formulas, which by the way, you have to read the reviews on her website. It's incredible to see the way her products are impacting people. She dedicates a huge portion of her time to writing informational articles and her own chart-topping podcast, What's the Juice? Olivia believes education is key for us to be able to take control of our health. So on her show, she breaks down everything from hormone hacks to improving your microbiome to how you can quite literally speak to your body when something big happens in your life and you need a software update, which you all know I'm all about tapping into your intuition. Organic Olivia has been a notable voice in the wellness space for over 10 years, and I just deeply resonate with her message about using traditional wisdom and modern herbal medicine to get to the root of your health issues so you can truly live your most vibrant, full life. Organic Olivia is offering the fullest listeners 10% off your purchase. So be sure to use code THEFULLEST at checkout at organicolivia.com. This code is for first-time purchasers only. Enjoy. Tim Ferriss talks about that too, is kind of how I got that was, he talks about, you know, the four hour work day and the four day work week. And I was so inspired by it. And sometimes it's achievable and sometimes it's not. So sometimes you can't even get four hours, you know, you're yeah. like late to drop them off or the nanny's late and you really only get like two and a half hours. Or sometimes, you know, you have like a whole day and that's because whatever they went and like went to the school and then they went and did another activity. But I feel like, um, yeah, navigating to, I'm definitely still in that, like sometimes, but it's helpful. Like you said, to block off, like, I know that on Wednesdays I record podcasts and that's typically when I do them. And so we all know my schedule. And so my husband can make sure that he's around on those days or um, the nanny knows that that's like really important. And so that's when that's, you know, 
day schedule, other things that might arise at a different day, but everyone kind of has those set um, times where they know when you're available and when you're not, yeah. which I, I'm like, I guess I could do that with my workouts, but I feel like I need to get my workouts done before or after business hours and I'm never motivated at the end of the day. And so I really need to do it in the morning and that's when I need to sleep. So it's just like crazy. Um, but I, before when I had one kid, I was I was able before he started, like before he was two, I would start later in the day and just work later because our mornings would just take longer. Yeah. And um, that was nice. And I loved it. And I would come into work at like 1030 and roll in and then, you know, go on a stroll for a nap, like napping them, you know, just you never know how long that's going to take if they're sick or whatever. But I really think that I for me, what I've also done is like normalize having kids talking or screaming in the background of work calls and depending on who it is. Yeah. And it's really helped me let go. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if it's an important call, I'm not going to do that. But if it's, you know, if for the most part, a lot of my calls, unless they're podcasts, like that's possible. Yeah. And people just know that that's the reality of the situation. I kind of love it too, unless they're obviously having like a mental breakdown or tantrum, but typically it's just, yeah, they just want to get my attention because I'm on the phone, which I'm sure that happens to you. Do you work from home? I do. I work from home and it's, it's funny because I think COVID really softened everyone's expectations around what does it look like to work from home and what can you expect to see from a whole family trying to work, learn, school, be, live in their house together, you know, and kids want our attention. They want to be doing what we want to do. I can't tell you how many times I'm in my office and I get off a call and Bash is like sitting in my work chair and like slamming his fingers on the keys. You know, they just like want to be in your space, um, which is so sweet. Um, and really, I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. I think if they didn't want to have anything to do with me, I'd be pretty bummed out about yeah. it, especially because I am the breadwinner in our family yeah. and I do have to work, you know? Yeah. Um, so it is, it is really interesting. I mean, it, I think it always goes back to scheduling for yourself um, and finding those times. And it is, you'll feel the calling. Like for me, it just recently, now that Tashin is finally consistently sleeping through the night, we do have consistent childcare. It's not for long periods of time, but it's like sort of like your block schedule. I know I have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7 a.m. to 1230, and they go down for a nap. So, you know, fingers crossed, the moms know, <laughs> they're listening, fingers crossed, they make it to two o'clock. Yeah. And all of a sudden I have a seven to 2 p.m. window on those days. I don't book calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays for clients, for people I really try. It has to be like a last minute emergency for someone for me to go to something or, and not have those days for my kids during the summer. Um, So it's really like trying to balance that. So it does, you know, you have to be willing to have longer days when you're taking two days to be with your kids. So, um, it is my times to work on those days are truly nap times, Mm -hmm. but I have gotten to a place where now just finally I'm able to work out outside of my home. And, um, it feels good. It feels really good, but things did have to adjust. I had to move a meeting that was always at 8am back to nine and be okay. Not looking at my email and not jumping into work because the minute you get sucked into work, you're going to miss that yoga class. The minute your child is crying and they need you, you are, you know, you just have to be flexible and be okay with it. So saying like, okay, I didn't get to that class. What can we do together as a family to like get active? Mm -hmm. Like, 
I always prefer going to a certain beach with my husband because I know that I get a really long workout down this hill and up the hill with a double stroller. Yeah. And I feel like this has got to be like a CrossFit sled with <laughs> two kids, uh, you know, at least 55 pounds moving uphill. So yeah. it's all about perspective. It's for perspective. Sure. It's perspective. And back to your sleep comment, like we know from research that you know, a poor night's sleep is like having type two diabetes. You have insulin resistance, you're craving more sugar, your, your ability to communicate, your ability to function, your ability to manage your emotions. Like all of those things are actually severely impacted. And as a mom of young kids in this expansive brain growth period, I would prioritize sleep. And for me personally, having a longer fuse and being able to manage the family, yeah. then pushing myself to do some workout, lose, being at a deficit for sleep and craving all the junk food, eating the junk food, getting myself on a roller blood sugar roller coaster, snapping at my kids and then needing to start over. Like, because you have to weigh what is most important to you. And for me, my temperament Mm -hmm. with my family and my ability to manage all that we have to manage as the moms in, in the house is more important at this stage of my life. Yeah. I feel the exact same. My temperament is number one because it's so easy to lose your temper. You know, I mean, not totally lose it because I guess like we manage it well because we are trying so hard, but you know, like it's, internally lose it, I guess is what I really mean. Like internally freaking out because, you know, you have a million things to do and then everyone's, you know, having their moment and it should be okay to have your moment and have the big emotions. And as a mom, you're just trying to hold it all together and hold space. And I feel like I totally internalize and stress out for sure. And, um, I think a real thing for me, and I'm sure, I'm not sure if you've ever felt like this, but I'm sure we all have, um, Um, is just feeling like I, when I like do hold a boundary or even if I don't, it's just like, I personally feel like I'm in a place where I'm like, I feel like I'm falling short in all these areas of my life sometimes where it's like, I'm falling short for myself. I'm falling short as a wife. I'm falling short as a mother because I'm, you know, not there for them when they're, they're, they're crying when I'm leaving. And then I'm falling short as a business owner because I should probably be spending nine to five every single day strapped to my computer because I, but would I be effective as like my personality? Probably not. My human design is like not meant for that, but you know, you have these thoughts in your head where you feel like you're falling short. And I remember I went to a summit event and someone was interviewing Martha Stewart and they were like, can a woman have it all? Can she be, um, you know, a, a successful business owner and a mother and all these things. She's like, yes, you can have it all, but you probably will feel like you've fallen short in some aspect when you feel like you've really done well and in another. So what do you think about that? Do you ever feel like that? Oh, I feel like that all the time. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast that we need to reframe good, especially as we grow and change in our lives and all the dynamics change. Like you're going from being single to being married, to splitting your time, you know, and having to conversate or like check in with someone else. And then all of a sudden you have one child and that child's a ping pong ball between two parents. And then you have two children and a business. I mean, there's so much juggling that happens. So 
we really need to work to be, I think as moms and as entrepreneurs, really honest about what the day-to-day looks like, whether that's when we're working and when we're momming, how we get support, who's supporting us, you know, what does that look like from whether it's like, I have certain moms who don't have the flexible entrepreneurial hours that we have. And I have a food program that ends up being more affordable for them in the long run than them constantly relying on DoorDash or Uber Eats or something. And it ensures that they're eating a little bit cleaner. They're having protein and veggies instead of just like a quick send a pizza to my door type of a dinner, which makes them feel like they're showing up as a parent. Because if that's an, if that's a pillar, if they're seeing me a pillar for them in their life, something that they care about is the nutrition they're feeding themselves and their children. And so we may not be able to do everything well even, or, or get to everything. And that needs to be okay. And I think that's where we minimize our life. You become a minimalist around like, well, what am I bringing into my house when it comes to groceries? What are the self-care things that would make me feel good about myself? How many times a week? what's realistic, what's really important. And then you you sit down and do those, you write down your family goals and your values. You know, Chris and I, um, I loved The Family Firm by Emily Oster. I think everyone should read it. It's a really great way to create structure in your family and say like, what's really important for your family? And she uses an example where a mom really cares about her family sitting down and having family dinners. And she signed her daughter up for a 6 p.m., like running because she wanted her to be in this cross country program, but it's exactly at the time when their family ate dinner. And so Emily says is like, you need to actually, those two things don't work. Like you, if you want to prioritize something, it's not going to feel aligned if you can't hold boundaries around what is most important for your family. And so, you know, as kids grow up and things change and uh, there are going to be different priorities for you and for your family, but doing that exercise once a, a year saying, what do we want to focus on this year? What is a, an ultimate goal and not having a laundry list of 20 things, like having a short list of what are the three most important things? What would you feel good about for me personally? Like, 20 to 30 minutes of fully present playtime with my kids feels better than my mind wandering and being present with them for four, not being unpresent for them for four hours, putting some type of nourishing meal on the table, whether it's defrosting a frozen soup from my freezer, or I'm making something that's real easy and quick, like those weeknight meals I was talking about, like that exercise really helped Chris and I say like, what not silence the noise. Like what would make us feel good in our family life? And then when it comes to my business life, I have gotten really strategic about, you know, I used to say like, I'm a multitasker. I do all these things, but I just have one thing at a time that I really, and they're not little things like answer my email emails and stuff like that. It's like, I need to launch this vegan protein. I need to rebrand my products. I need to get B-list you know, or B Corp for my business. And I have these big ticket items in the same way that I have these big ticket items for my family. And that makes me say like, okay, how do I get help and support to outsource the things that really aren't my priorities and really are causing me to be unfocused with my family and not be able to hold strong boundaries because I'm not even focusing on those things or reconnecting with those things because they're not even on my to-do list or they're not on my hit list for the day. And so keeping that hit list short and actually taking baby steps to get those things done makes you feel 10 times better than just doing the easy to-do list things that are the check marks, right? It's like minimize, simplify. I think that's really something that's 
helping me say, Hey, I'm not going to be the perfect mom and I'm not going to be the perfect business owner, but what is good for me and what are where, how can I align my values with my actions? I love that. And I love that you've kind of implemented this formula from food to all aspects of life. And I totally agree. I love just taking inventory of my life periodically and figuring out if I am taking the steps that it takes to get to where I want to be. So applying that to family is really important. And I've never thought about applying it down to the like tasks in order to get to like the different milestones of where I want to be, which I love so much. It makes so much sense because I've never thought about, I guess like what really clicked for me is, okay, I might feel like I'm falling short in these areas, but if I were to take inventory of my life and my family in a year from now, what are the things that I did accomplish that would make me feel good? So that on a scale of one to 10, I wouldn't say like a five, I'd say, okay, like maybe I did fall short, but I feel like I met all the needs that I wanted to meet. So now I'm at an eight and it's so important. I love numbers. So I really like to do that sort of thing. So it really makes sense in my head to do it that way. So I'm really glad we think similarly. <laughs> but yeah, I think that going back to, you know, picking as a mom, like picking sleep over exercise or different sorts of things or talking about, you know, food as a whole. Um, one thing I really wanted to bring up was this idea of intuitive eating, because I think um, it definitely has a moment in wellness and the importance of kind of reconnecting back with yourself and what works for you. But when you're experiencing hormonal imbalances and hunger and lack of sleep, it does kind of change what, like you were saying, what it is that you might be craving. And so it might not actually be what you intuitively do need. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. I'm so glad you asked that question because intuitive eating is really popular and I have had so many clients talk to me about it in our sessions working together and, you know, the movement comes from a really good place. It's silencing the dieting noise. It's allowing you to take inventory of like, how do I feel when I eat something? The practice of intuitive eating, of slowing down, chewing your food, sitting down at a table, not eating as fast as you can while you scroll Instagram or something like that, like really being present with your food, tasting your food, enjoying your food, breaking bread with friends, family, and then really thinking about after that meal, how did that meal make me feel? Like, did it make me feel energetic? Did it make me feel happy? Did I, um, was I able to focus at work after with my kids? Like, did I crave more food after the fact? Really journaling or touching like touching down and being like, okay, how does this affect me is so important when it comes to naturally gravitating towards healthy foods. I think unfortunately the movement has moved in a direction of, hey, whatever you feel like, just eat what you feel like. And everything is equal. And unfortunately, like we know from research that elevated blood sugar is inflammatory and it lays the foundation for polycystic ovarian syndrome, type two diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease. Like that is a real thing. And what I don't think people realize is how blood sugar impacts our cravings and how blood sugar impacts our energy and our focus. And so you think about, okay, I intuitively feel like, you know, before the podcast we were talking, um, I grew up in a house. My mom used to pop those Pillsbury tubes and it would be like Pillsbury croissants or cinnamon rolls. I can 
hear that noise in my head. I know exactly what it sounds like. I know what the smells of my mom's kitchen would, would be like. I know what that tastes like. And it's highly palatable. You know, it's full of sugar. It's full of refined flours. I'm, I even thinking, talking about tasting, I'm apologizing to the listeners. Like now they're all craving these things that I grew up with, but it, it's true. Like you don't, if you think about it, taste it, smell it, like your body is releasing, your mouth is releasing salivary amylase and enzyme to break down that food. It's preparing to digest that food and you're craving it. There's neural pathways that are firing because that's what you want, you know? So there has to be something, there has to be a scientific understanding of how, how food impacts our cravings and how thinking about certain things will impact our action. And so let's say I, I thought about that for some reason and it may be a stress trigger. It may be like, oh, I don't wanna even go into my office and look at my email right now. Something's happening, kids late to school, husband and I are in a fight, whatever it is, there are stress triggers. There are delay triggers, like you use food to delay. Like I don't wanna go do that, so I'll just have a little bite of food. I am stressed out right now, so I'm gonna have a bite of food. I'm, and there are happy eaters. I'm so happy with all my friends, let's bring out the food. Like, celebratory eaters. Like you have to kind of think about like who you are, how you were raised and what's your relationship to food is, you know, because all of this is at play here and intuitive eating isn't just like, what do I feel like? Let's eat it. You really have to unpack your childhood. You have to unpack the layers. You have to unpack what kind of eater you are to really make an impact and be successful in that. And even then you should know the science because if I had that Pillsbury cinnamon roll, my blood sugar is going up, insulin's being released, it's crashing down. And what I'm going to crave is more sugar and carbohydrates to bring my blood sugar back up because insulin is shuffling all that sugar away. And that dip, that crash is going to burn me when it comes to energy. It's going to light a fire inside me that I want more sugar and carbohydrates. And that may be like, oh, I feel like an apple, you know, I'm going to have a, like, but that roller coaster perpetuates itself. It elevates blood sugar, fasting blood sugar over time. It creates more inflammation, late night eating, obsessive thoughts about food. So intuitive eating, if it's coming from a place of full understanding and, and personal, like almost like a personal growth journey, like, okay, who am I? Where did I come from? What's important to me? And you're gravitating towards things that balance and support your blood sugar that make you feel full and satisfied that regulate hunger hormones instead of something that say is highly processed with sugary fine flours, or even worse, that carbohydrate salt bomb that is maybe in fried foods where we have a fatty salty carbohydrate combo which isn't really natural in nature and a lot of times laden with seed oils that also are causing a problem in, in infl- creating an inflammatory state like this whole this whole basket of fries might be delicious in that moment but we also need to take care of ourselves and we need to say okay like, I don't feel bad when I have fries. I probably, but I'm not having them every day, you know? So I don't know. I mean, it's like food is tricky. It, and that's why I work with clients one-on-one because they can't be such a generalist. I can be a generalist when it comes to say like, this is how your blood sugar responds. This is maybe your childhood relationship with food. Let's unpack that. Let's create some light structure so that you're following your goals, feeling, you know, feeling good about your food behaviors, what you're eating, getting some momentum, getting some consistency, and then feeling free around food to make the choice to have the fries. 
Like that's the ultimate goal with people, right? Is to have that flexibility. But if we're just saying intuitive eating is eat whatever you feel like, I mean, for me, that would be a recipe recipe for disaster because of the way I was raised. Bagel bites, taquitos, Pillsbury popping, whatever is like all the gummy, sour gummy candy your heart's could ever desire. So, um, and being an entrepreneur, being the breadwinner, being the only income in my family, I have to be aware of the, the stress that I may be under and have healthier options and real whole food, blood sugar balancing options in my fridge, or it's going to be something I'm not proud of myself about and something I'm going to beat myself up over. So what's worse, you know, I'd rather have clean, like some clean blood sugar balancing whole food options in my fridge, try to make the things I grew up on my way with a little less sugar, a little more whole foods, um, and just have light structure versus no structure. Yeah. I love everything you just said. And I really like that. It really does all come down to unpacking these layers and layers of programming basically. And if we're willing to go there and to really see things, how they are and our upbringing and our stressors that are causing what our like next decision, then, you know, it could be this great thing. But I think a lot of the times it could be like a scapegoat and that's how I feel about it for sure. Or someone might not want to eat a certain way or do the work. And I mean, that's not like a nice thing to say, but you know, that happens too. It's like, why are you, there's, there's just so many emotions around food at the end of the day. And if we're willing to look at it at face value and really see it for what it is, I think that's the most beneficial. And then, um, and then go from there. And if you're actively like interested in, in unpacking that, you know, then it could really serve us all for the long run and our families like you're doing, you know, I, I love everything that you're doing. I love, um, you know, I, I really love to bring my kids along for everything I do and be in the kitchen with them. And, um, I saw one of your reels about bash having a knife set and like cutting with you and our sons are the same age. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I should really do that for my son. Cause that's the one thing that I've been really nervous about, but he's definitely is old enough to use scissors and, and to really help with like, you know, a soft child friendly knife set to really help, um, start cutting vegetables. They're old enough. So I think just, I, what I really wanted to say is you're so inspiring to me, to so many people I know um, online, to so many women and just people out there. And I, I appreciate your message. I love you and what you're all about. And I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Well, thank you, Nikki. I mean, I just, I love everything that you're doing as well. And I think as a fellow mom and entrepreneur, we just, we're cheering each other on, you know, and for all the other moms tuning in, like, it's just these little steps, right? And being inspired by one another. I mean, I can't tell you how many other female entrepreneurs I've been inspired by or have taught me something so that I could protect my boundaries or, you know, reminded me that I I could get serious about what was most important for my family and not feel like a failure. You know, that's what it's about. And I think that's what it's about with my clients too. And in sharing like this message of balance when it comes to health and wellness and blood sugar and the juggle of life as a, as a mom with young kids, there's, there's always a chance to grow, but if we can focus on what have we, what's good, 
not what's perfect, but like what's good and celebrate those wins. That gives us that energy and that excitement to like keep going. Stuff like this, like you've, I feel so inspired by even just sitting here talking to you. So thanks for having me. 